Well, hey, as Brett said, I'm Josh. I get to lead worship here a lot, and I also get to direct our weekend experience at all our campuses. And it's such a privilege to get to serve alongside Brett and the team. Uh, it's just a delight. So I'm glad to be here, get to teach on Thanksgiving today, and welcome all of you who are watching online. Thanks for taking some time to be with us as well. Good things are happening here at Menlo Church. It's a great season to be part of this church. So thanks for being here. Well, my wife is a painter, and 15 years ago, she lost uh, the most expensive thing that I ever purchased at the time, her wedding ring. Because when she paints, she takes her ring off, and she'll put it by the bedside table. And so uh, she went to you know, come, come grab her ring after she was finished uh, one day, and uh, they were gone. Both her, both her rings were gone. And her wedding, wedding ring was missing. So she came and uh, she found me. She's like, I can't find my wedding ring anywhere. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, what do you mean you didn't? You know, you can't find your ring. That's, uh... Anyway, so we start looking everywhere in our little condo. We just upend everything. I mean, furniture, we're looking under the bed. We're looking on our hands and knees, crawling around trying to find this thing. And we can't find it anywhere. And all of a sudden, we look over at our puppy, golden retriever named Daisy, and we both look at each other, and we look at her, and she kind of gives us one of those looks like, I, I didn't do anything, right? <laughs> and uh, we just look at each other, we thought, oh my goodness, could she have eaten it? So we take Daisy down to the vet, and we're there in the vet waiting, and all of a sudden we hear some chuckling down the hall in the back. And one of the veterinarians comes out, and they say, you've got to come see this. And so we walk back there, and up on the x-ray, we see this photo. That was the most expensive golden retriever in the world at that moment. Well, they gave her some pills to make her throw up, and unfortunately, it didn't come out. And so they sent us home with some doggy X-lax. And for the next 72 hours, donning my gloves, I sifted through daisies, daisies. <laughs> and I will never forget the moment when I saw the outline of that ring in, in one of those little daisies. And uh, I quickly grabbed it with my gloves and pulled it free and ran and found Danielle and put it on her finger. No, I, I washed it, I cleaned it off, made sure it was all disinfected and then gave it back. But I will, I, I, to this day, it's one of the moments where I look back and I'm like, that was one of the most thankful I've ever been. Like, thank you, God, we recovered the ring. That gratitude just filled up my heart. Here is a fact. A thankful life is a joyful life. A thankful life is a joyful life. When we stop and notice the good in our life, and we stop to notice how God's helped us through our life, we can't help but be filled with gratitude. Even when we go through difficult challenges and we look and we go, gosh, look how far I, I've come from that moment or that incident, you're just filled with thankfulness. You've experienced this, and I've experienced this. You've also experienced how broken and fallen our world is. Because of sin, we endure so much hardship, so much loss and heartache and strained relationships and unfulfilled dreams. And left to ourselves, you and I, we don't just drift toward thankfulness. We drift toward what's wrong, what's missing, what hasn't happened yet. We drift toward the bad. Our default setting is really ingratitude, not gratitude. Or some of us think we're, uh, we're, we're self-made. You know, we've, we've, we've made the choices. We've done what we needed to do to create our life. And if anybody should be thanked, it's 
us. Tim Keller has this convicting quote. He says, sin is cosmic ingratitude. It gives you the delusion that you have the ability to conduct and hold your life together. Actually, every day that your heart keeps pumping, your country's not invaded, and your brain keeps functioning is wholly an undeserved gift of God. We ought to live simple, normal, uneventful days of amazed, thankful joy. Well, if God made us to be thankful, and if thankfulness leads to joy, how do we live a thankful life? Let's pray together and get into the scriptures, and we'll discover some things that will really help us in this journey. So God, thank you that you can change us. You can make us into grateful people by your power. And left to ourselves, we're prone to kind of just dwell on what's bad and go toward the ingratitude. So God, would you help us? Even today, as we get into your word, would you speak to us and show us and change us? And we pray it in your name. Amen. Well, gratitude studies are on the rise. In the last 10 years, there have been so much scientific data and studies done on gratitude. And one of the leading researchers is this guy named Robert Emmons. He's a professor of psychology at UC Davis. He's been studying gratitude over 25 years. He has interviewed over 8,000 people from the ages of 8 and 80. He's conducted hundreds, hundreds of clinical studies to see how gratitude affects a human. And here's what he's found. Gratitude is good for you. It's good for your mental health. Grateful people have increased emotional well-being, decreased depression, and a greater resilience to trauma. It's grateful, uh, gratitude, grateful people actually have healthier bodies, so it's good for your physiology. Grateful people get better sleep, they exercise more, they eat better, and it's insane. Their cholesterol is lower, their blood pressure is lower. Doctors, scientists are confirming all this data. Gratitude's good for your social health. Grateful people have decreased feelings of loneliness and increased empathy. And, you know, as followers of Jesus, I don't think this stuff should surprise us. It's almost like science is just putting a giant spotlight onto what's always been there in the scriptures. It's a principle from God. And that's why we're sort of just finding all these facts to back it up. Because the Bible talks about God being a good father who loves to give good gifts to his kids. And so he's created us to be grateful as a response. Here's a description or definition of gratitude according to the scriptures. Gratitude is recognizing the presence of God in your life and responding with thankful praise. In the Bible, you find over 170 references to gratitude. In the Old Testament, the most common one is this word ha-todah, and it's to acknowledge what is right about God in praise and thanksgiving. Let me give you a passage that gives this Example, Psalm 100, 4 and 5, enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him, praise his name, for the Lord is good and his love endures forever. In this time period, the Hebrew people would come into the temple to worship God. That's where the presence of God was, actually. And it says they would enter the gates with thanksgiving. Gratitude is, is a doorway to the presence of God. Now, we know you're the temple now if you've received Jesus, so it's a little different. But when you start to thank God, you can't help but experience a nearness to him in that experience. First Chronicles 16 says, give thanks to the Lord. He's good. His love endures forever. 
And then it says, cry out, save us, God, our Savior, gather us and deliver us from the nations that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your presence. Kind of notice how it's sort of bookended with, with thanksgiving. I think gratitude in a way sets the stage for deliverance. And that's what we're seeing there. Now, I'm a pretty positive person. You know, if you know me, you're like, oh yeah, Josh, you know, he kind of tends to think, and that's true. Uh, and some people are encouraged by that. Some people are just annoyed by that. Jeez, why are you always, you know? Uh, but just like you, I have my dark days. Just like you, there are days where I just feel hopeless about things. And it'll kind of hit me in weird times, like out of the blue. I'll just kind of be hit by this wave of sadness. And I, I remember one time, it was weird, I was leading a trip to, through Israel, and I was at the Sea of Galilee. So I'm sort of embarrassed even to share the story. And I was having a little solo time. We had somehow rented some stand-up paddle boards, which I don't know how we did that, but that was pretty cool. And I was out there by myself before everyone had gotten up, and I was just sort of out on the Sea of Galilee, and this is where Jesus lived and fished and walked, and all of a sudden, I started thinking about all the things that were going wrong in my life. And it's just such a weird juxtaposition. Here I was, the Sea of Galilee going, why isn't my life working? Why is this not happening yet? How come this person's so successful? How come this hasn't happened for me yet? Why is my life so? And I just started going down this weird shame cycle. And it was the strangest, just a sad moment. And I remember this whisper, and I think it was God saying, why don't you just begin to thank me for what is good? And so I began to thank God. And I began to do it out loud. And it didn't matter, no one was around. So here I am just thanking God. God, thank you that I always wanted to be married and now I am. Thank you, God. I never thought that could happen. Lord, thank you for my son. God, thank you for the job I do have. God, thank you for, and I just began to list them out loud. And as I did that, the depression began to lift off of me. There is power in choosing gratitude in spite of how we feel. In the New Testament, the most common word for Gratitude or thankfulness is this word Eucharisteo, which is where we get the word Eucharist, Lord's Supper, communion. Why do we call it that? Because Jesus gave thanks and then he broke the bread and said, this is my body, this is my blood. In fact, in the New Testament, we see Jesus giving thanks on four occasions. One, he feeds 5,000 people. Not just that, there's hundreds of thousands of people there, but he, he, he has a little bit of bread, a little bit of fish, and all of a sudden, he just starts breaking that. He gives thanks to the Father, and then he begins to feed all these thousands of people. Then uh, a little bit later in Matthew, we see him do the same thing, but with 4,000 people. Later in John chapter 11, he's got a good friend named Lazarus who's dead, and he's in a tomb. He's been there for three days. He is dead. And Jesus gives thanks and then raises Lazarus from the dead. And then the last in incident is Matthew 26, and it's the one we just mentioned, Jesus at the Last Supper. He's about ready to take the sins of humanity onto himself onto the cross. He gives thanks, breaks the bread, and pours out the wine. It seems, and maybe I don't know what you think about this, but I think gratitude seems to be linked with miraculous future blessing. Now, I'm not saying you're one thank you away for that new Tesla. That's not what I'm saying. That's not what I think the Bible says. But I do think that God loves to do impossible things. Anything is possible, right? Menlo Church. And I believe gratitude, the scriptures teach, is a key ingredient to the movement of God. 
The Bible teaches gratitude is also essential for healthy relationships. Colossians 3, 15 and 16 says, Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. As we express thankfulness, our, our relationships get stronger. You've experienced this in your family or your friendships. You begin to start to be grateful for one another, and it just starts to tighten things up. In the church experience, as we're grateful for one another, it starts to strengthen our church. And this is difficult at times because sometimes there's strained relationships, and yet gratitude can actually bring about a healing or a mending. And this just happened to me a couple of weeks ago. I was going to this event, and I knew that I would see this person, and I have kind of a strained relationship with them. I'm like, oh boy, I wonder if I'm going to see them. And I was in the car about ready to get out, and I felt like this little whisper saying, I would like you to thank me for him. I'm like, okay. So I just begin to thank God. Listen, sometimes <laughs> when we give thanks, we don't feel like giving thanks. And yet the Spirit of God kind of prompts us, and our choice is ours. God, I thank you for this guy. Thank you for how you used him in my life. Opportunities went on. Then I'm getting out of the car and I'm walking toward the event and then I kind of sense another whisper. I'd like you to thank him. Look, I, you know, I've already thanked you. Come on, that's enough for today, right? Which is sometimes what I do. But on this day, I said, okay, okay, okay. And so I end up seeing this guy and uh, walk over to him and, and uh, first thing out of my mouth is, hey, I just want to thank you for, you know, listed a few things. And I'll tell you in that moment, um, I sense some bitterness just sort of dissipate. And I sense some forgiveness kind of welling up. I'm like, whoa, what's going on? <laughs> Here's what I know. It's hard to be grateful for somebody and hold a grudge against them at the same time. It's hard to be grateful for somebody and be critical about them at the same time. Now, I know all relationships can't be restored. Sometimes there's toxic people and you need to have hard boundaries and that's okay. That's okay. Uh, but this week, you're going to probably be around some people this week, around uh, Thursday. And uh, you're going to run into that family member, that brother, that sister, that parent, that kid, that aunt, whatever it is. You probably know who they are already as I speak. And I just want to ask, what would it look like for us to be grateful for them? And, and to ask God to help you. You can't do it on your own. But what would it look like for you to actually maybe even thank them for something? What would that do to that relationship. Well, a couple of things gratitude is not. Let's get clear on what gratitude is not. Gratitude is not a life hack to achieve personal satisfaction. It's a spiritual discipline to help you get closer to the God who loves you and wants to change your life. Gratitude is not an emotion. It's not an emotion. You don't need to feel grateful to practice gratitude. Gratitude is also not Toxic positivity. First Thessalonians 5, 16 through 18, Paul says, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Paul says to give thanks in all circumstances, not necessarily for all circumstances. I don't think the scriptures is teaching us to go, you know, I broke my arm. God, thank you that I broke my arm. Get fired from my job. Thank you that I got fired from my job. Have a relationship that breaks up. Thank you, God, that my relationship broke up. I just don't think that's biblical. In fact, I kind of think that could be a, an attempt to put a band-aid on suffering. 
or sort of a clever trick to avoid pain. Gratitude is not that. And sometimes life is so difficult and challenging, the only thing we can be thankful for is the presence of Jesus with us. God wants to sit with you in that moment and that pain and walk with you, sometimes carry you through that. Gratitude is not toxic positivity. And the last example I want to give from the scriptures comes from Luke chapter 17. And I want us to kind of frame this last part of this around this character. And then we're going to ask a few questions for us today. Luke 17. This is a story about 10 lepers and how they encounter Jesus. It says, now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. You see a map there of where Jesus was traveling. This would be an area a lot of Jews would avoid this place because Jews did not like Samaritans. They were half-breeds, half-Gentile, half-Jewish. They were, there was some major racial strife there. And so people would have avoided this area, but not Jesus. He walked there. And he was going into a village. Ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. And as you know, leprosy is that skin condition where it would just deteriorate your skin. Your limbs would eventually fall off and you would die. And think about just the pain of a life this would be. Oh my goodness, if you got leprosy, you're taken from your kids, taken from your spouse, taken from your friends, taken from your job. You lose your life. And you're out on the outskirts of the city, banding together with these different colonies of lepers. Oh, this is their life. And they see Jesus. Of course, news of Jesus had traveled through the land, this healer, this miracle man. And they, they cry out to him, Master, have mercy on us. And that word master, I mean, they're really saying like, God, we, we actually, there's faith in these guys. They think he can really save them and heal them. And Jesus saw him, he says, he says, go show yourselves to the priests. It's interesting, he doesn't heal them. He says, just go show yourselves to the priests because for a person with leprosy or a skin disease, once you got cleansed, you could go to the, you'd have to go to the priest and they'd give you kind of a clean bell of health type, type thing. You'd get back into society. You could go back to your life. And, and so what do the lepers do? Well, they don't say like, what do you mean? Heal us now or else. They, they actually go. It says, as they went. These guys actually walked in faith, believing that this was going to happen. And as they went, they were healed. As they went, they were cleansed. You know, sometimes when we're waiting on a promise from God to be fulfilled and it hasn't happened yet, we just need to take the next obedient step and see what happens. The story continues. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go. Your faith has made you well. All ten were healed. Only one comes back and expresses his gratitude. And he was a Samaritan. This would have been a stinging rebuke to his Jewish listeners, these religious elites, these people who should have known who the Messiah was, of all people. And yet they're the ones who ignore him. And it's the outcast, the foreigner, the stranger who turns and comes back and acknowledges who Jesus really is. And Jesus is so good, all ten people are healed. It's not like they're running to the priest and all of a sudden the leprosy comes back because they're ingrat- you know, ingr- <laughs> not grateful. They're all healed. But one of them comes back and there's something that happens. Jesus heals him, says, your faith has made you well. 
not just cleansing him from his exterior leprosy, but cleansing him from the interior leprosy. Because here's the gospel. Every single human being is infected with an interior, internal leprosy. We're all diseased in that way. Scripture calls it sin. And Jesus comes to earth without that leprosy. He comes to earth and he takes that disease onto himself when he goes to the cross. And through his death and resurrection, when you place your faith in Jesus, he comes into your life and he reverses that curse. He takes that leprosy away. You're cleansed from the inside out. Nothing that you've done to deserve that. It's just faith. It's his grace. This is the good news. And no matter what circumstance we find ourselves in, we can always thank God for that grace, for that forgiveness. So how do we become thankful people? One, open your eyes and notice what are the things that God has done in your life. Open your eyes. You can be thinking and saying, God, I'm loved by you. God, you're with me always. God, I'm forgiven. God, you've given me your power in me. I could live a different kind of life. Thank you. What about things in your life that, that you can see, you know, physical things? God, thank you for, you know, think of one friend. Think of one family member that you say, thank you, God. Maybe it's your job. Thank you, God. Maybe it's the place you live. God, thank you. This beautiful area that we live in, the Bay Area. Lord, thank you that we live around this beauty. You know, it could be big things in your life. I can walk. Like, thank you, God. It can be little things like In-N-Out Burger. Come on, you've got to just be able to give thanks for In-N-Out Burger and that double-double. Oh, my goodness. Let's go. Open your eyes and, and notice. Then another thing is turn back and say thank you. Turn back and say thank you to God. He does so much in our lives, and, so, and we're so prone to kind of run ahead and get on with it. Uh, but turn back and say, wow, hold on. I got to give thanks. I got to give thanks. And maybe you're here, you're not a Jesus person, you're just sort of exploring. I just want to challenge you too to try this, to go, you know, maybe, could there be a God? Could he be behind goodness? And what would it look like for me to thank him. Just, just try that. See, see what happens. See what happens in your heart. Turn back and say thank you. Uh, when we don't turn back and say thank you, we leave a relational gap. Andy Stanley says, close the gap. You know, if you have a relationship and you never say thank you, it just starts to deteriorate, right? But what I feel thanks, but you don't say it. <laughs> there's a gap, right? Someone's spouse is nudging them right now like, yeah, honey, there's a gap. Like you might feel it, but you need to say it, right? And you're like, yeah, but I said thank you last year, and, you know, I feel thankful, <laughs> all right? And it's like, no, no, no. We've got to say thank you. Here's a tip for the room, for, uh, for the junior hires in the room, okay? Junior high, right? Listeners, if you start saying thank you to your parents, you're going to get more of what you want, all right? <laughs> Th that's just true. And that's happening in my family. Our 12-year-old London has been, like, just thanking us. It's been so amazing. Like, Dad, thanks for the pancakes. And I'm like, whoa, really? Wow. I, I'm telling you, I am, I am more excited to see his Christmas list this year than, uh, than I, maybe I've ever been. So that, that's just a tip, okay? It's free. Uh, you'll thank me in January. So that's for those guys. And there's somebody here I want to thank. Uh, his name is Doc, and he's 91 years old. He's a retired surgeon. 
And he would come up to me week after week. I've been here a year and a half. He's been uh, somebody who's just exemplified a thankful, grateful life. Uh, he would come up to me and say, you know, absent from the body, present with the Lord. I know Jesus and I know where I'm going. Do you know him? And I'm like, whoa, uh, yeah, I do. And just like, wow, you're right. I'd say, how are you doing today, Doc? He says, I'm great. I've got Jesus. It's the most important thing in the world. You know, do you got Jesus? Yes, I do, Doc. Thanks for, well, you're reminding me, right? He says, every day I pray God sends somebody across my path I can be a blessing to, and they can be a blessing to me. And he says, he says, it's a double blessing. He says, Josh, when I first met him, he says, you're my double blessing. I'm like, oh my gosh, who is this guy? You know, you're my double blessing. And I just want to say, Doc, he's here today. And uh, would you just stand up? Just stand up. We just want to, just want to say thank you for exemplifying a life of gratitude. Thank you, buddy. Thank you. So good. So grateful for him. Turn back and thank God. This week, I just want to give you a little homework assignment. I would like you for the next three days to write down three things each day. Okay? This is real. Like, I want you to actually do this. So Monday, I'd like you to write down three things that you're grateful for. Then on Tuesday, I want you to write down three things you're grateful for. Then on Wednesday, I want you to write down three things you're grateful for. And I just want to see what it does to your Thanksgiving. Okay? Let's just, let's just have some fun. Let's just do our own little experiment. And I want to see how Thanksgiving goes for you. So that's an assignment this week. Write down three things for three days. And that's the thank you challenge. And then lastly, and I'm going to invite Adam and the team to come up. We're going to close with a song. But lastly, I think this will help us become grateful, and that is to praise loudly, to praise loudly. When we sing together at Menlo Church, when we worship, let's make it loud. Don't, don't sing so that, like, I can hear you or your neighbor can hear you. Sing so that, that God can hear you. You know, we're not talking about being a spectacle here. We're, we're talking about singing loudly to give God thanks you know, I think of that leper who comes back to Jesus, he, you know, because some people are like, well, I just whisper, I don't really like to sing. The leper didn't come back and be like, hey, thank you so much. Like, I'm cleansed, it really worked. Like, I can't go back to He didn't do that. You know, he came back, he's just like, oh my goodness, look at me. Like, I can go back to my friends, I can go back to my life. You've given me my future back. You know, I can go back, I can... I can pick up my son or my daughter and hold them again. I never could do that. Thank you, Jesus. He just hits the ground and he just says, thank you. And he praises loudly this one who saved him. <laughs> Menlo Church, let's not be the nine. Let's not be the nine that just run off get busy and do our religious ritual stuff. Let's be the one. Let's be the one who turns back, notices their life, the good, and who thanks Jesus and who praises him loudly. Okay? Would you all stand up? We're going to sing this last song together. <laughs>